I mean, obviously the top of the table's great and the results are great, but it's more in the manner we're doing it. Like this, you know, pretty much from the first game, we've had all sorts of different kinds of challenges we've had to overcome. And um, every time there's been a real sort of focus and clear head that's about the group collectively to deal with that. And that's been the really pleasing thing. And because they're getting rewards from that, then that kind of, you know, gives us the opportunity to accelerate the growth of, of giving them more sort of tools out there to, to help them um, you know, for whatever we need to overcome. And um, like I said, I thought tonight was going to be a real difficult game for us coming here. You know, Palace's result last week, you know, it's a tight ground. I mean, they'd only conceded three goals in the four games so far. You know, how are the lads going to cope with the fact that we probably weren't going to create as many chances as we have been? And, you know, like I said, I really like the way we, we, um, we work through that as a group. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dreams last as long uh, as they do, mate, till somebody wakes you up. So we'll just see. The reason that I'm here is because, you know, the club is seeking change. He said, well, whether you come or not, you're going to see a completely different first team under me. You know, my hope and... My desire and what I'm going to try and do is give our supporters hope and, and belief that we're, um, you know, we're going to embark on something special. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. This is episode 149, and it is a big one because Spurs remain top of the table and will be at least for another weekend. It is a glorious thing. It is glorious. Glory, glory all around. Uh, before we get into the, today's pod, just want to remind folks to follow us on your podcast platform of choice. That way, each new episode will download right into your feed. And if you get the chance, leave us a rating and review because that's how the word spreads about this wonderful show that we put out for you all every week. Uh, if you have missed it in the last few weeks, we have put out some really, really great content. Uh, we chatted about Spurs getting that win over Fulham earlier in the week. We've chatted about Spurs women and their hot start to the season. And a few weeks back, we had a chat with author Gareth Thomas about his new book, An Echo of Glory, which takes a deeper look into the modern history of Tottenham Hotspur. Check those out if you have not already. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur 2, Crystal Palace 1. We've got Caroline alongside to chat about this. She is at CG Stefko. Kaz, how are you feeling after that one? I'm feeling really great. I'm kind of wondering how I'm going to get through this whole season with just the sheer amount of cuteness coming out of Tottenham social media after every game. It's like, it's relentless and it's, it's been a lot, but I, I received my new Mickey Vandeven kit in the mail just before today's game. And I took that as an auspicious sign. And indeed it was because he, he was killing it out there. Once again, another, Another great performance by Daddy Longlegs, as as Holly uh, dubbed him on the pod a few weeks back, Holly Agambar. Uh, Dakota is, has returned as well. He is at Dakota J. Booth. Dakota, what's going on, man? Well, since Todd's not here, I'll say it for him. Any day that you get to talk about a Spurs victory and a Premier League match day that ends with Spurs being five points clear for the first time since i don't know middle school was called like secondary school here in the u.s or something like that <laughs> it's a good day it is a good day it is a good day indeed um where do we want to start on this one guys that i guess a couple of lineup changes in this game of note um Ibasuma does come back in for pierre emile hoibier after his suspension uh there was a little bit of debate over whether or not that would happen because he is of course still on yellow card watch right now and if he would have picked up a another yellow which he did not he would have had to miss the next game which is that big match against chelsea but no worries there he didn't uh the other change was destiny adogi missing out entirely picked up a little bit of a muscle issue on 
Monday's game against Fulham and Ben Davis comes in for him in this match uh, and then was subsequently subbed off at halftime for Emerson Royale. Um, Caroline, what, what did you make of these two changes? I guess not all that surprising on either, but uh, each player, you know, this this was just a weird game, especially in that first half. Each player kind of had to play their way into it. Um, what did you think about the the two decisions to to make those switches? Yeah, I thought it looked like Basuma was playing like he was painfully aware that he was on yellow card watch. Um, and I wasn't too sad to see him get subbed off fairly early as a result. But I think it's a really good thing that Udagi got a rest because he has been playing a lot of football and he is still quite a young player. So we just want to make sure that we're not putting putting too much stress on these young players of which we now have very many in the squad yeah and dakota you know ben davis coming in and i I, like i was okay with it but it was it was also kind of weird because we saw emerson royale was the first choice to come in for destiny on monday and play on the left even though it's not his favorite side um what did you make of, of ben davis coming in because i don't know it didn't really work i mean i don't think it was really ben davis's fault but it didn't really work he got yanked at halftime emerson came on and i thought i thought looked really really good yeah but davis missed out on the squad altogether on monday um because of a little knock they picked up in training over the weekend um and yeah i saw this i don't i don't know if either of you guys picked up on it or any of our listeners but sometime i can't remember exactly sometime between the 35th and 40th minute it looked like Ben Davis motioned over to the sideline from the far side and was doing the, you know, rotating with his fingers, like, please get me out of here. So I wonder if he's not completely fully recovered. I would imagine he was the first choice um, in it, first choice for today because he is left footed. And yeah, that just is such an advantage on the left hand side, the way that we play. Um, but then, yeah, my boy Emerson Royale came in at halftime deputized very well and was the contest to getting these guys going um in in some ways um definitely didn't do anything anything wrong so glad to see him come in and and make a difference today this was a really weird game in the first half it was frustrating um i think we all knew that crystal palace would not have a lot going forward um I was really surprised when I looked at the end of the game. I knew Spurs had a lot of the ball and and a lot of possession. I did not realize they had 76% possession in this match, which is, I cannot remember the last time we saw Spurs with 76% of the ball, any team really. I mean, it's very rare for for a Premier League match to have one team with 76% of the ball. Most of the time you'll see that in a cup match, an early round cup match, like in the League Cup or the FA Cup where there is lesser opposition on the other side of the pitch, but this was a lot. And I think we knew that would happen, but Caroline, there was the frustration of this was that the Spurs just couldn't really seem to get anything going in the first half. They, they had a chance here and there, but palace was also kind of making the most of, of their lesser opportunities. I mean, Vicario was, was called to action early in this match to make a few really, really important saves. Yeah. Big shout to Mr. Venom for just killing it again in goal. Um, I think the reason we were finding it so frustrating is that Palace were not particularly interested in possessing the ball. They were mostly uh, fouling (laughs) and just completely breaking up our play. So we couldn't get any sort of rhythm going. I mean, it was an effective strategy. You know, they kept the scoreless through the first half, but it, it was frustrating to watch as a viewer, especially with, I think, the official just really being way too reluctant to hand out a card. Um, but I do, I do think it was good to see that the defense was still alert to the rare cases of, you know, attacking threat from Crystal Palace, like Mickey Vandeven, like I said earlier, he, uh, there was one moment, I think in the first half where it might've been Will Hughes had kind of a counter attack and, you know, any other defender, you'd be like, oh man, we're, we're screwed here. But Mickey just... <laughs> ran right past him and collected the ball. So I think between him and Vicario, we were pretty well protected. And um, it was just a question of when are we going to start getting some, some real opportunities. Um, and I think Richarlison did have one in the first half that he, he really should have converted. And I just was like holding my head in my hands because I want him so badly <laughs> to get out of this finishing slump. But today was not the day. 
Yeah, Caroline, that uh, that chance with Will Hughes, with Will Hughes. I think I remember the commentator saying, "If it's anybody else on the pitch, you know they're they're through on goal." And I was thinking to myself, Mickey Vandeven was like jogging right next to him. I think he was fine. And you know, ninety seconds later, the color commentator, who I don't remember or care who it was, uh, brought up the stat from last season that Mickey was the fastest player in the entire Bundesliga. So uh, I'm glad that they corrected their mistake that didn't really matter who was through on goal there. Mickey had it covered. Well, I, I think it's important. We we know we were fine because yeah. we've been watching Mickey <laughs> Vandeven all season through these first uh, 10 matches. We knew that. I think for for the general, you know, Premier League fan who's just tuning in and maybe hasn't seen enough of Spurs so far this season, although how could you not? It seems like they're on, you know, pretty pretty important television windows every week as we're seeing these Friday and Monday games. They're they're on in pretty exclusive windows. Um, but I think people are just starting to learn, oh, Mickey Vandeven, that boy is fast as fuck. Like that guy can catch up to anyone. And he proved that. Uh, time and time again in this match and has has throughout any match. Um, Carolyn brought up Richarlison. I want to talk about Richarlison for, for a brief moment because Dakota and I were going back and forth today in our group chat about it. Like Dakota, I, I'm starting to get to the point now where we're about a quarter of the way through this season. Actually, in fact, a little bit more than a quarter of the way through this season. Richarlison's had his moments. But we are not seeing, and I really liked what Richarlison offered in the game against Fulham on Monday. Like he was pressing, he was on it. In this game, I did not like what I saw from Richarlison. I thought it was a, a, a less than stellar performance. Um, he was subbed off on this in the 64th minute. What were what was your take on Richarlison in this match? Because I feel like it was a little bit more positive than I than I had. Yeah, I think he was. I think he was fine. Um... Palace came into this game without their two best players, two most dynamic players in Eze and Elise. Neither one were available. They're both injured. So we knew that they were going to just put 10 guys behind the ball probably, and it was going to be that type of game. And we had 76% of the ball because they didn't want it because who is going to make a difference with the ball for them? So that, unfortunately, for Richarlison is not where he thrives on the wing. I think if he was through the middle and we got to see more of his hold-up play, we got to see him have some crosses whipped into him, I think it would have been, um, yeah, at the very least, our expectations would have been a little bit differently. It would have been a little bit different for him. So I, I think he was fine today. We talked on Monday that his best attribute for us is his chaos his pressing and uh the energy that he brings and that's what he had today that's really all he had he had a few bright moments um ball through into sun had a heading chance um and then you know all of the the work that doesn't get put on the stat sheet in terms of pressing and running and, and all of that Definitely left some things to be desired. I'm not going to say that he had a wonderful game, but I, I think it was neutral at worst. I don't think that he necessarily hindered us from having any game-breaking opportunities um, that we missed out on because he was on the pitch. However, I say that, Brennan Johnson was on the pitch for 40 seconds and basically got an assist. So, uh, you know... Everything is situational. I would like to see Richie through the middle in these game, these types of games. Um, but also, I will defer to Papa Ange uh, pretty much every time. We saw a lot of that early on in the season, and we saw it even working when Perisic would come on and be able to hit those crosses into Richarlison in those moments where uh, there's a team sitting back and not really trying to play football. Now, granted, we saw a lot of Spurs not trying to play football at points in this match, which I want to come on to as well, which was strategic and kind of fun and, and entertaining <laughs> to me. It was, it was, it was quite funny seeing Romero uh, pass the ball back to uh, Vicario and, and so on and so forth. And then out to Vandeven and then back to Vicario and then back to Romero. Just, I mean, there was literally, I counted for a solid 90 
to 120 seconds where those guys just were the only three to touch the ball. Um, and it was, it was, it was comical, but when there is a team needed, sitting back, like we needed our fans to get the Ole chance going during that moment. That would have, Oh, I think that would have been, that would have been hilarious on fire. I think. Sellers was, Sellers was, was, was getting, yeah, they were getting pretty pissed. There were a lot of booze raining down, but you know, if you're not going to come out and play football and we had the lead at that point, this is what we're going to do. Um, it's like watching it, pickoff it, attempts is the analogy. That yeah. I, in, in, that yeah. In base, in baseball, it was, it very much was, but, but you're right. I mean, Richarlison does not have the type of game to pick locks from the wing against the team that's sitting back. So that is kind of a little bit of what we saw. And then, you know, you bring up the Brennan Johnson moment and let's, let's just come on to that because that second goal, the sun goal, and, and we can talk about the, the own goal as well and what, how that was created the first goal, but this, let's talk about the second goal because the second goal to me was just, there were there were moments of pure brilliance and genius in that in that whole goal because the ball comes so quickly from the back to the front and a lot of it was done by that pass from Sar the switch of play over to Brennan Johnson which was just a a chef's kiss of a pass a chef's kiss of a of a switch and Johnson heads the ball gets it to Madison who gets it back to Johnson who shovels it to Sun who slots it home and it was just it was one of those moments that I was, I don't know, the electricity in my body was just ignited in that moment, watching Spurs play in that way and know what they had to do in order to get the second goal. Because I'll be honest, Spurs got the first goal and that was great, but it was kind of created out of nothing. It was obviously an own goal. It was a mistake by by the Crystal Palace defender. Uh, who did it come off of? Ward, I think it was. And... I don't know. I didn't really feel confident that that was going to be the last goal in the game. And there were moments in that, in that, you know, run of play between when that goal went in on 53 minutes. And when we got the second one in the 66th Caroline, where I thought, okay, the next goal in this game is probably going to be the one that, that, that the team that win that gets that goal is going to be the one that goes on to win the game at the very least. Where were you in that moment? Because that to me was them them drawing Crystal Palace out like they were intending to do and then striking quick and getting the ball up the field quick in the way that they needed to in order to get that goal. I just thought it was a perfect encapsulation of what and just trying to get the players to do in the attack. Um, and I think Brennan Johnson deserves huge credit for that goal. I mean, I agree with you that that pass from Sar was just perfect but I thought Johnson's positioning and also the way he kind of took advantage of the Crystal Palace players positioning as well was really smart he like opened up space um, and found the space that he needed to work within and of course you know once he gets this to Sonny Sonny's never going to miss from there Um, but it was just a great team goal you know really starting from the back all the way up to the front, the kind of football that, you know, Klopp thinks we're not capable of. Um, So I always enjoy that. And I just felt like, you know, going back to the Richarlison of it all, it's, it's unfortunate for him because at the two positions that he plays, there are players who just have a much stronger argument to get the start, you know, son at striker. He's, he's in like the best form we've seen him in years. And Johnson, we've only seen, you know, brief cameos from him so far, but I feel like every time he's on the pitch, he's been electric. Something looks like it's going to happen every time he gets on the ball. So, and, you know, I think that kind of speaks to the fact that uh, Johnson just has a little more of that creativity in his game. And I think Richarlison is really much more suited to receiving balls. You know, he's, he's not a playmaker per se. So it's it's tough for him, but I feel like we're going to see him spending a spell on the bench for a while coming up. Dakota, would you think that that's fair at this point for for Brennan Johnson to get a start over with Charleston? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, why not? Let's see. You know, Ange is all about finding out what these players have to offer, um, and that's why I think it's I think we're going to see Giovanni Lasso come in for. 10, 15 minutes at the end of a few games here in the coming weeks. Same thing with Brian Heal. I think he's going to get an opportunity to show what he's got. Rodrigo Benson Kerr is going to come in and just absolutely change the entire dynamic of our midfield in 
the best of ways. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think it's fair for him to get a start at this point. Um, I do think that it, it matters the opponent. Um, you know, I, I personally would stick with Richarlison against Chelsea because I think that Richie has that edge that we're going to need personality wise, uh, for, for that game. But Manchester city, maybe put Brennan Johnson out there purely because he can maybe keep up with Kyle Walker uh, out on our, you know, our left-hand side, their right-hand side. Um, plus, you know, we city is there for taking on the breaks. And if you can have someone with the speed of Brennan Johnson able to take advantage of that, why not? Um, so, yeah, I think it, I think it's fair. Um, as long as it makes sense, which, yeah, you know, Ange very much strikes all of us as the type of manager to take that into account. So not necessarily worried about that, but wanted to put that on record from my perspective as well. Yeah, I, I, I hear you on that. Uh, that that build up to that second goal was 12 consecutive successful passes uh, involving nine players. I mean, that's. That's Tottenham Hotspur football right there. That's that's ball movement. That's getting the ball up the pitch quickly. Um, it wasn't a counterattack per se. It was, you know, it was just great decisiveness. And it was, uh, like I said, I, I jumped off of my couch uh, watching that and thought it was such an important goal and obviously proved to be very important as Spurs did concede one late. Um, the, the own goal was was another one that was kind of just out of out of sheer pressing which we saw, you know, against a lot against Fulham, it was just go- goals that came from pressing and James Madison, you know, threw the ball in, into the, into the box and, and frankly got lucky with, with the ball going in the back of the net. Um, but that's what Spurs are doing right now. They're creating these opportunities to get lucky, these opportunities to put pressure on a team that doesn't have as much going for it as, as it would like. Um, Roy Hodgson's uh, comments after the match were, just incredible if, if 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 you didn't hear he basically said this, the young players that he substituted on in the match didn't didn't work didn't do anything for him and it was like wow um quite quite a quite a lot of confidence you're instilling in those young players old man uh goodness he, gracious that, he's a, that's tough he's trying to get crystal palace to tell him to go sit on a greek island at 76 years old is what he's that's his strategy at this point i think well, you know, he, he he could do that if he wanted to. I mean, he he has free will. He has that choice. But my goodness, uh, those those comments were were, were eye opening. But um, yeah, I just I, I didn't I didn't know what to make of that. Um, wh- where are we, guys? Like this, I feel like twenty six points from ten matches at this point. Um, you know, five points clear as you mentioned, Dakota. Uh, after 10 matches, obviously the weekend's still to come. We're recording this before the rest of the weekend's games have been played just because we had to get on microphones. I mean, this is, this is what we're seeing right now is so exciting. Um, you've got Ange Postacoglu in, in interview with, uh, Sky Sports after the match telling folks to just, you know, to dream, dream big, do do what you want to do, feel it. Um, and he's been saying this for weeks and I'm not getting carried away at 25% of the season, 26% of the season is done. It's, it's late October. I'm not getting carried away, but this is fun as hell. Like this is, this is what we have always wanted Tottenham Hotspur to be. And I say always referring to the last three to four seasons, but this is what we have wanted to happen for this club. And it's, it's, it's happening. We're living in our wildest dreams. Would you say that Andrew? Yeah, I would. I would say that. I would. I would. You know, a, a blank space in their uh, in their score column would have been great today. But we're, you know, we're really gonna, we're really gonna like just Caroline's just gonna depart the podcast if we start making Taylor Swift jokes. You realize this, right? I'm just gonna Caroline, eject. Just, <laughs> she's just gonna eject herself from the. She's just gonna eject herself from the proceedings. Um, this is this look, is our style. We can't help it. All right. Okay, I'm done. I'm, gonna, I'm done. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to reel you in at this point. Can you um, mute him, Andrew? Yeah. <laughs> Clean slate. We'll, we'll eject. We'll eject. I was trying to keep it to a minimum, but um, 
but no, I look the I guess from the game itself, the only only other things we I want to talk about are and we've kind of brought them up already, but like the use of the substitutes was incredible to me in this match. Um, not only Emerson coming on, and look, maybe Van Davis did get kind of a, a, a knock there, as you mentioned, but the Brennan Johnson one, I thought Pierre Mihoybier came on and provided, you know, we, we talked a little bit about Ibasuma kind of playing a little bit tentatively on that yellow card, but Pierre Mihoybier for the second straight match, I thought came on and provided a calm, provided a a, a steadiness. And then the other two that, that we really need to talk about, Brian Hill and Rodrigo motherfucking Bentoncourt came into this game at, at the end, which was so awesome and provided, I think, such a lift, despite the fact that, that we did concede in stoppage time and things did get kind of hairy late on in this match as it became 2-1. Um, Caroline, the subs, just another Ange masterclass, I guess. Yeah, I would say so. Um, I think the one player who maybe could have used a substitution and maybe had a slight mental lapse at the end um, from fatigue was Pedro Porro. And I, I would have to go back and look, but I feel like he really hasn't been getting many subs. Um, so he's he's had some heavy minutes this season. So that might be something to keep an eye on. But otherwise, I agree with you. Um, very great subs. And, you know, when the camera showed Brian Hill about to come on and then panned over to Rodrigo Benchenker. I almost lost my mind with happiness. Um, almost shed a tear because you, you could see a little bit of emotion on Lolo's face and um, also seeing, you know, the players really celebrating him and his return after the game was, was really beautiful. So it's, I think we got a couple little glimpses of what he can provide, you know, his, his passing vision, I think is something that we've kind of missed a little bit um but he's yeah i just i'm very glad that he's back and i hope Ange is, and i i think he will be but i really hope that Ange kind of eases him in and um doesn't give him too much responsibility too fast because if he re-aggravated and redid his injury i would probably cry <laughs> well not, and not only that but wh where does he fit in in this midfield right now like I, i'm not i'm not throwing him in over Papsar. I'm not even really throwing him in over Ibasuma. And like I mentioned, Pierre Muhoibier has spelled Ibasuma quite well. Um, I think Basuma, we're, we're, we're talking about the yellow card and the, and the, some of the, I guess, what, what would you refer to it as? Just the immaturity of, of the, the suspension looming, another suspension looming after the red card. But like, aside from that, Basuma has played well. I don't think he's like deserving of, of being dropped. Um, and you're not going to bring him, bring him on for Madison. Madison's playing a different role. So uh, at this point, yeah, I think those sub appearances, maybe getting Papsar a little bit of a breather late in games would be good. Um, to your point about Poro, I just checked as, as you were talking. Yes. Poro has only been subbed off twice this season. He did not play the first match of the season against Brentford has only been subbed off in two, two of the matches that he's played in. That was Manchester United, which was the second match and Sheffield United, which was the fourth match. So it's been since September 16th that he's been subbed off in a match. He's played nineties. Otherwise. Uh, I do want to make clear that I'm not throwing Pedro under the bus because I do think he has no. really exceeded our expectations that we had for him in terms of defense. Um, Cause I, that was a concern for me coming into this season, if he was going to be the starting right back, but he, he actually has done a really great job for the most part. And again, I think fatigue might've played a small factor in it in this game. Yeah, and, and there also, I did not see eight minutes of stoppage time at the end of that game either. I saw maybe and, five, and maybe also, six. And also, it was a handball. We should just point that out. Yeah, yeah we were. I was going to get to the handball. I was going to get to the handball. It's it's one of those that I, I have no... Look, Andy Madley, um, I don't know what he was doing today. You brought it up earlier, Caroline, but like there were three yellow cards that should have been given in the first yeah he wasn't doing much i literally <laughs> had just i literally just thought he had forgotten his yellow card like in i don't know in the dressing room or something and didn't bring it out onto the pitch in his pocket in the first half because there were literally three yellow cards that should have been given to palace players early on um I, the pgmol needs to maybe reconsider like player safety at some point and realize that like unless they start offering bookings these players are going to continue to throw their studs into the back of legs and ankles and, and heels. And it's just, it's, it's, 
it looks dangerous at some point. Yeah. And that handball that led to the goal cost at least Cudi Romero. I don't know who else on the team. An entire month of October without conceding a goal for club and country, Um, which is just an amazing, amazing feat. Talks speaks really well to how well we've been playing. Um, But man, what a, uh, what a smear on something that could have been, been amazing. But, um, you know, we've had uh, these first two months, August and September, Ange Pasacoglu has been manager of the month. We are, uh, you know, three for three, three wins from three in the month of October. Uh, five goals scored, one goal allowed with an asterisk next to it. Maybe Ange Pasacoglu is about to win his third manager of the month award in the premier league and his third month being a manager in the premier league that's amazing (laughs) it is pretty amazing yeah and the other thing i just want to point out on the officiating is you know i think you're right they do need to do a better job of protecting the players um but it's just kind of frustrating that the focus this year seems to be on the time wasting you know punishing that and it's like please have some perspective officials i'm begging you (laughs) yeah like i don't mind the the adding time for time wasting but it feels like they're quite literally adding every possible second that they can and like the world cup this past winter was ridiculous i mean we saw like 12 minutes added at end of games and we were also seeing it at the end of first halves which is just bonkers like the, the the player safety part of this does need to be a little bit of a factor. I'm all for playing 90 minutes of actual football, but we've got to like take it some consideration. And I look, I, I can appreciate the five subs has, has stuck around since COVID and all of those things. But, and look, Spurs are not really going to suffer from this as much as other teams are having no European football this season, but still you, you've got to consider like, especially when, when guys are getting their legs and ankles kicked and we're just doing nothing about it that these guys are, are, are going to be out there, you know, for much longer during matches. Yeah. It's not even the added time that bothers me. I think that's fine. It's, it's what they're getting their cards out for. And it seems to be largely for those kind of time wasting and like descent offenses, um, which, you know, it's, it's good that they're clamping down on that from a perspective of keeping the game moving. Like every fan wants to see football being played. But if they're not also getting their cards out for those dangerous fouls, then that's an issue. Yeah. I mean, Brennan Johnson picked up a yellow card. Many, some people may not have realized it, but picked up a yellow card uh, very, very late in this match simply for dissent. And I never saw what he did, what he said. Uh, they, it wasn't shown on television. They just kind of said, oh, Brennan Johnson. Yeah, he picked up a yellow card there for dissent. Cool. Like, how, how did that happen? Uh, it's because Joachim Anderson two-footed Brian Heel with his studs up from behind right. and the first was the yellow fir- card was the of first, the game which was the first yellow card of the match in the 90, 90, 99th minute which is insane so yeah and it should have been a straight red it that's exact it should have been a straight red and Brennan Johnson I guess let let the official know about it and got a yellow in in return yeah god god, god forbid he say uh you know Hey, thank, thanks for finding that yellow card after 99 minutes of football. Ridiculous. <laughs> um, we did talk a little bit about the fixture congestion on the last podcast, and I want to give Dakota a chance here to gloat for a moment because he said <laughs> there's no chance that they're going to make us play Manchester City on a Sunday and then West Ham on a Tuesday. And I said, well, that's what the schedule says right now. Well, days later, yes, that has indeed been changed. So for those who didn't see, some of the Dece- December fixtures moved around December 3rd, that Manchester City match, still the case on the Sunday, but the West Ham match has been moved to Thursday, and then the following Sunday we play Newcastle. So a little bit of movement in the in the schedule for the month of December. And again, part of this is simply because they're not putting Spurs on Saturday 3 p.m. matches because they, they want them on television, right? Is, is, is that That's all this is down to, right, Dakota? 
that checks out, which is super unfortunate for the people who live over there and are making plans to travel over there to go watch games. Um, because when is the easiest time to go to a stadium and watch the game? Uh, Saturday at 3 p.m. Um, and it's just a lot, di- a lot more difficult the rest of the rest of the time. So there's zero Saturday matches in the entire month of December. No Boxing Day match, which is kind of wild. Um, there's a is there a Christmas Eve match at there, some point? No, in there, the... I was going to say there is a Saturday match. It's December 23rd. It's the day before Christmas Eve, which which oh, is really? a Saturday match. But that's the festive season where a lot of games are yeah. getting you know crammed in okay um i saw i i think i saw somewhere that a premier league game is being played on christmas eve for the first time in like a decade or something like that which you know i think it's chelsea's game because i saw an interview of potch you know (laughs) complaining about it because he was like you know christmas eve is really huge in argentinian culture and he's fretting about getting back in time to celebrate with his family and friends. So that's that's pretty sad. Yeah, I remember seeing a Bleacher Report Photoshop of him wearing a Santa hat now that you say that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not going to shed it. I'm not going to lie. I'm done shedding tears for Pochettino. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, I, I don't, I get I don't it, care. Sorry. Yes, man. it is. Uh, there, there is a, there is a there is a Christmas Eve match. It is Chelsea. It's Chelsea at Wolves as well, which is um that's a fun trip. Enjoy that. Um, but yeah, there, there are, there, there's not a Spurs boxing day match, which is, is tough. I know for a lot of people, um, there's only five matches on boxing day, uh, which is interesting, I guess. Like th- that means there's yeah. 10 teams not playing on boxing day, which is, is kind of wild, but yeah, Spurs, Spurs play De- uh, Thursday, December 28th. Um, and that is at Brighton. So it, the matches that, that are going to be happening in December are all over the place, though, as you mentioned. Like, we're, we're talking, I mean, and it starts with this next match even in November. I mean, Spurs will play Monday, November 6th, Saturday, November 11th, Sunday, November 26th, Sunday, December 3rd, Thursday, Sunday, Friday. It's just like there are, there's nothing, you know, there's, it's a very rare instance that we're going to see a saturday 3 p.m local kickoff for spurs uh in the foreseeable future just because they want the games on television because this team is so fucking entertaining that's that that's what it is it's bottom line and the blackout that's my opinion well, well yes yes 100 percent and the blackout and i know there's there's a lot of talk that there there could be some some lifting of some restrictions with the blackout but uh, it, that's, that's, it is what it is right now with this team. They're flying. They're at the top of the table. People want to see them. They're fun. Ange is a great quote. You've heard a number of quotes already from Ange in this podcast. You're going to hear one at the end of the podcast as well. Um, this guy is all about it and he's, he's box office right now. This club is box office. It's, it's, it's cool, but it's also, it, it's going to make it kind of tough for, for fans to get to the stadium. I know a lot of them who travel a long distance, so that is the downside of it. Yeah, yeah, and it, at some point, I would like to see those people taken into consideration um, because, yeah, TV money is great, but what the clubs really need are people in the seats, buying the concessions, shopping at the merchandise store, you know, all those things. Um, so, I, I hope that there's balance somewhere um, because those people also deserve to go see Spurs. Uh, I'd love to go see this team play in person. I'm sure it's electric, um, you know, nightclub esque, as Ange has said. Uh, and put your dancing you know, shoes that, on, man. That atmosphere was was really fun uh, when we were over there in in March, and you can only imagine what it's like now. Top of the table, five points clear. Oh man, Pochettino's gonna have to walk into White Hart Lane with the top of the table Tottenham Hotspur, most likely. If not, you know, a result takes us back to the top of the table. What an absolute nightmare for that guy. Ah, it's tough. Again, not not shedding any tears, but that's uh, that's too bad. <laughs> so sad for him. Uh, really, ah, really oh no. Difficult. Anyway. <laughs> Speaking of the past, um, another kind of cool announcement from the club this week about legacy numbers, and they put legacy numbers on the kits for this Crystal Palace match. Um, 
this is something that I, I think like personally, I'm like, that's cool. But I, I know there's a lot of fans who are like, wow, this is really, really incredible. Um, and are like kind of blown away by this. And we saw, you know, it, it was kind of funny when we saw the, the lineup put out today, we saw all numbers in the eight hundreds except for one. And that would of course be Ben Davis, whose number is in the seven hundreds. Um, but Dakota, what, like, I know this, this hit you a certain kind of way and, and is a cool little dive into the club's history that we get to see these, these legacy numbers now put on the back of the kit, which I think is, is interesting. Yeah, I, I think it's a, a really incredible thing. And I, I think it's something that, you know, having that number on your kit as a player, I'm sure just evokes an emotion, a connection with the club that I'm sure a lot of these guys have and have had. Uh, but for someone new coming in, probably just makes that extra special of like, wow, this is this, – this means something to a lot of people who have come before me and, you know, for a, a football club like ours to have been playing for 120 years, 140 years, um, and to have less than a thousand players, uh, is incredible. And I, I think having a number attached to it just makes that a little bit more real. Um, Sonny talked about last week, everyone that plays, that, that's in the squad now, knows what it means to play for Tottenham Hotspur, and it's a really special thing. And I think this is one of those things that can maybe drive that home uh, a little bit more for, for those players. Um, you know, maybe it means nothing to them, uh, and it's just like, oh, cool, it's, an, it's a number. I'm one of, you know, 880-whatever. Um, but for some people, it's going to make them never want to wear another shirt. I'm sure. Um, you know, maybe Ben Davis is one of those looking around and seeing he's got the lowest number of everyone in the room. Why not stick it around and see how many, how many more numbers you can collect? Um, and you know, I, I think of someone like James Madison, I think this is something really special for a guy like him of who's dreamt that playing at a club like Spurs probably his whole career and now he's here and it, it feels special. And now he has this extra thing that he gets to remember all of the great players that have come before him. And he has a way to be right next to them. Um, there's a couple Spurs players that play in the USL over here in, in the U S one of them in the USL championship, one of them in USL league one, uh, Kaziah Sterling, I'm sure many of our listeners will remember his name from the Academy. Um, and, you know, their social media accounts shouted him out because he's on the list. He has a number because he made yeah. a senior debut for Spurs, uh, which is, you know, incredibly cool for someone like him who, you know, had a lot of promise and then didn't quite get there and now is applying his trade over here in the States. And he gets to be he used to have a number like around Harry Kane, which is really cool for him. Yeah, there's no question. And, and everyone, like you say, from from Harry Kane to Kaziah Sterling to James Madison. And we've seen a lot of comments this week, not just this week, but in the past few weeks from players like Vicario and Pedro Porro and like all of these guys, Destiny Adogi. I mean, these these newer players that have come into this team in the last year or so that especially under Ange Postacoglu's tutelage have kind of bought into something that is not just bigger than themselves, but is even bigger than the club. And it's so, so cool to watch Caroline. Definitely. I think the timing around this was really fortuitous because we're at a time where the club is really stressing kind of that collective identity, you know, and especially we've seen that with, Sonny also talking about, you know, leadership has to come from the whole team. So I think just having this sort of symbolic way of showing all the players, like you're part of the club, you're part of the history, um, you, you matter, you know, you have a role to play. Um, I think that's just really nice to see. So yeah, I'm all for it. And honestly, it would be really cool if the club did this for the women's club team as well, because it's a it's a much shorter history to go through, and it'd be way easier to even do than putting together eight hundred some odd numbers. Like, there's not as many that you would, but it would be cool to see them do that as well, because 
why not like make it all inclusive and bring everyone into the fold every person not just everyone on the men's team right i'm on board yes with that and yeah and I'll, I'll also say you know since you bring that up i really appreciated the video that the club put out around black history month which is being celebrated you know in the uk at this time um because it it really hit home to me how diverse our club has been on the women's side which i think is not necessarily something you can say about every club in the wsl it's kind of a a point of debate at the moment right now after arsenal released their their club photo for the season and it's looking pretty white um and which is sad from them because you know they have some obviously legendary players who who were black and um really made an impact on their club so i i think it's a good thing to celebrate that that's really a core value at tottenham and we continue to see diversity in the squad um, but that video was so well done it was you know perfect for anyone who loves puns especially yeah, there's no question about it. Um, as as I bring up Spurs women, um, the couple couple of uh, awards perhaps being bestowed upon some members of Spurs as the the team is on the international break. But um, you know the start that they've had to the WSL season, Caroline has has garnered some nominations. Um, you want to take us through Player of the Month, Manager of the Month, Goal of the Month. Now, there's, there's, there's a lot of potential hardware coming. You know, we, we talked about Ange winning back-to-back Manager of the Month awards in the Premier League and maybe a, a third one coming. Um, and, of course, the first two Players of the Month in Madison and Sun. But the women's team is could, could be racking up some hardware shortly here as well. Yeah, I actually just had a, a moment of terror thinking about the manager of the month award, because I'm sitting here thinking who, who would be Robert Wilhelm's biggest competition. And unfortunately it's probably Gareth Taylor since Man City are at the top of the table. And I, I just think his players bail him out time and time again. Um, But genuinely, I think Robert deserves this award because, you know, kind of like we've seen with Ange on the men's side, he's really just transformed. I think the belief in the, the whole squad um, he's got them playing really cohesive, attacking football. Um, we're scoring goals, <laughs> uh, three of which were nominated, as you said, for goal of the month. Um, I think that was Grace Clinton for her sort of, you know, Galazzo from way outside the box, Evelina Summonen for her free kick, and Martha Thomas for one of the goals from her hat trick. Um, this past weekend, I think it was the one there's a, where there's a lot she, from Martha Thomas to choose from. Let's be honest. Yeah, I know. I, I honestly don't know how they pick, to be quite honest. And that, that probably wouldn't be the one that I would pick if I'm being perfectly frank. Um, so my personal vote in this award was for Evelina's free kick, um, just because it was, you know, really perfect. And she's a player that I love. So uh, but Martha Thomas was nominated for player of the month. And it's kind of hard to argue against her, not just because of the hat trick, but uh, you know, she leads the Golden Boot race currently. She's really making an impact, I think, on a leadership front as well. So I would love to see a clean sweep of the awards. Um, although we did not get a save of the month nomination. So that's too bad. Well, they haven't been facing a lot of pressure either. So that's a good thing <laughs> when all is said and done. Um, you know, your point about Robert Villaham is 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 an apt one. And honestly, I think some of these awards, these monthly awards go to what was the expectation? What have you done with it as well? And that I think is a big factor in, in as to why I agree with you. I do feel like he's deserving of the award and it's why I think Ange won, won it the first month and kept it rolling into the second month as well. Um, when, when your team is not expected to do well and you do, a lot of that does go to the manager and how he's bringing this club, the club into the season. Um, and Robert Villaham deserves a, a ton of credit for the way that, that the club has been playing. And, and the Martha Thomas part of this is, you know, let's not forget Bethany England is still to come. Like that's the, the, the part that we have to keep reminding ourselves. Spurs women have made such a, a great start to the season behind all of these goals for Martha Thomas. And she's just a placeholder quote unquote. I mean, she's not, but she was, that's kind of what the thought was coming into the season is like, Oh yeah, let's throw Martha Thomas up there and hope that we can get something going in the absence of Bethany England. And now that you've got 
Bethany England to it's going to be, you know, the like the quote unquote new signing when Bethany England does make her way back from her injury. Um, it's it's pretty incredible that this is this has happened for them. So, uh, again, international break this weekend, but they're back at it next week. And um, it should be fun to, to watch as the team rolls into the month of November. Uh, Spurs men will also roll into the month of November again against Chelsea. And we will be back with another podcast after that match. Again, just as a reminder for the listeners, our normal podcast is on Sundays, but like with all the schedule nonsense that we've been talking about, uh, it'll be coming out when it comes out. <laughs> like the next one will be out after that Monday match against Chelsea. Uh, we're going to try to get you one at least once a week. Uh, on a fairly regular schedule. We know that that's how podcasting will typically need to work. But, um, you know, when you're doing a podcast about a soccer team that's playing on what seems like every single day of the week in the coming, uh, like, six to eight weeks, um, we will do our best to get it out regularly. And uh, the next one will be after that Chelsea match on the Monday. So uh, look for it then. Uh, until then... Uh, be sure to leave us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice. It really does help spread the word about the show. Tell your Spurs loving friends that, Hey, I've been checking out this podcast about Spurs. They do a really good job talking about the team and being enthusiastic. Uh, Cause that is us. That's what we try to do. It's what we try to, to bring the community together about this wonderful club that we so love. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, threads, TikTok, all the all the social media places at Tottenham Depot. You can follow Dakota at Dakota J Booth. You can follow Caroline at CG Stefko. You can follow me at A Stefko. We're also trying to 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 do the blue sky thing. Uh, that I know that movement is happening among mostly among like Spurs Twitter. Um, I am on blue sky at a Stetka as well, but we're trying to get others over there. We're going to try and get the podcast over there as well. Cause it's just a much more pleasant, positive space. Um, I know a lot of other Spurs podcasts are pushing this movement as well. We're on board. Let's, let's get into a positive place. The clubs are playing well. Um, let's, let's, let's talk about them positively in a positive social media environment. Um, I'm all for that as well. Uh, until next time, this has been the Tottenham Depot podcast as always. Come on, you Spurs. I enjoy every day of it. And, uh, you know, I want the players to enjoy every day of it. Not because we're top of the table, because we're we're living the dream, mate. You know, we're, we're, we're playing for a fantastic football club. We get to do what we love. And, uh, you know, the rest of it is, is about honouring that responsibility that's been bestowed upon us. Um, so, you know, it doesn't, you know, for me, what's important is that we're giving our supporters some joy and some belief and some hope, and that's, you know, that's what football clubs are there for, you know. And uh, you know, we we need to just keep feeding into that.